Welcome to the Reboot Insiders Podcast. Today's episode is part two of a talk Jimmy had with Rick Strickland and Mike Ressler. If you've not listened to the previous episode, we recommend going back and listening to that one first. In this episode, the group discusses turning data into action, IMUs, the value of movement assessments, and more. Please enjoy Jimmy's conversation with Rick and Mike. So we haven't mentioned KVS. Obviously, KVS have gotten a lot of popularity in golf and in baseball. And I, I have some thoughts on KVS, but I'm curious, Rick, to frame it as a coach. Have you tried KVS versus 4D motion versus an uplift iPhone experience? Do How do you view all those three things? Do you view them in the same category or where does KVS fit in? Most baseball tech out there, I, I was probably the first one to use KVS for baseball. <laughs> so I have a lot. It actually was really involved with them early on, probably in 17, 16, 17, 16, with some of the designs of what they were doing with their product at that time. The thing that kept giving me going, making me go back to 4D was the, the was I could actually get the swing plane from the bat sensor on it. So I always went back to 40 because that, because we could see the arms and we could see a lot of other, we could see more joints, but KVS is great. When you think about what's going on, like with the single camera sensors stuff right now, that's that, that, that boom is happening. Those things are effectively trying to give you the hip, the shoulder, the arm. And that's exactly what the sensors of KVS was actually doing. So you see this new technology going, going getting out on the market now, which is the cameras, but is essentially doing the same thing that what KVS was doing with the vest and things of that nature. Oh. So pretty nice software and we still have one. So, yeah, I, yeah, for me, my, I think KVS, they basically do, it does one thing, which is give you the sequence, the hip, shoulders, arm sequence. And sure. It also gives you like the tilt of the body parts at certain key points, but it's just, it's very limited in what it can give you. And now I think just with 4D motion, now you're getting all of the time series all over all time. And then with uplift, we're getting all of the joints over all time is KVEST is very limited in just the amount of data that it gives you. Maybe if you, you don't want all that data, I'm a guy, I'm a data guy. So I want all the data, but maybe you don't all want all the data. You just want the sequence, but KVEST is, is a fine solution. But I think okay. if you have a KVEST, you like, limiting your capability to get more out of it because it's only whatever it is four sensors and it's, it's it's limited in what it can give you if you were to ask me for a person just starting off and they wanted to know the body and you know yeah. add the budget that's a tremendous product for somebody to start off with to make it easy for you to understand but once you go down that path where you want to know more then you have to look for other products and that's, that's where it's at so it yeah. depends on where you are if i'm just a coach and i just want to go just gets, I want to understand the kinetic sequence of the hip, chest, yeah. and the arm. KVS is wonderful. Yeah. And so that discussion of the, the time series data is pretty interesting too. And Travis Pickman was asking a question about that. He had it specifically more, more, more specific to IMUs, but I think it's mm -hmm. generally applicable too, right? Like we have motion information and motion data is so rich and it's so that I've always considered this a very deep data set. All of the data, you guys would be amazed at the data that goes into or comes out of, I should say, a swing tracker unit, right? Um, and our pitch trackers as well. It's incredible. Actually, Travis has seen it, seen the raw data and was one of the few people that was able to spit back a correct velocity answer pretty quick on, on the pitch tracker data set. So props to Travis. But the 
there is a trade-off here between how much information there is and how quickly you can apply it. And that's been, that has been an interesting play for Diamond Kinetics. I'll give you some DK history, especially when we were just starting out. So Buddy Clark, who the founder of Diamond Kinetics is also on Reboot, very first podcast. He and I, as we were putting this out into the market, we thought like, man, this is going to be great. Nobody's seen this before. Like, this is new stuff. We're going to have all this 3D. We're going to make this applicable. Like, I'm patting myself on the back. Hey, we've got this open API. It's going to be, everyone, everyone's going to want it. As so we put it out there and like, it's just too much and you don't know where to apply it very directly to Rick's point. And I think this is the heart of the matter with tech is like, how much is there and how applicable is it? And then there is a real art and there is real value in turning all of that data into actionable insight. And there's just a whole lot of uncovered value in combining people like Jimmy and Rick, hopefully me, and in all of these things around like, how do we get the data out? How do we make it applicable? And how do we pick the minds of all of these coaches to really make it more applicable? And that I think is where tech is headed. And it's not in the volume of information, right? It's all in that visualization and how you can present it in actionable ways. Like just that, the swing fingerprint for one, there's a lot of data that goes into it, but like that visualization, people can look at and go, oh, cool. Yeah. All right. Lay off hindsight. <laughs> Great. Like if I was able to do that, I did my job. That is really good. And if I made that easy for Rick to communicate, I definitely did my job. Yeah. I was going to say, it's almost like also, like, I feel like you're able to boil it down as we all learn. Like you start out for me, like when I started out, like analyzing biomechanics data, I would love looking at the joint angles over time and just what, let's look at this picture's joint trace over time. Let's look at this picture's joint trace over time. Or like with IMUs, let's look at like the acceleration information over time, the velocity information over time. But like that gets to be a lot. And as you learn more and more and more and more, slowly you learn like the things about that you find are most meaningful. Oh, this peak is, yeah. is the meaningful mm -hmm. thing about, is the most meaningful thing about this curve. And like the distance between these peaks is the meaningful thing over here. And now let's, let's turn these into metrics, but also yeah. let's always store the data in case we want to do more stuff. Ever want to do more? Cause we can do more. That's <laughs> do of information. More. Cause you'll be like, I never knew that three years down the road. Oh, we should look at the difference between this trough and that peak. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, and then we have to re-go. So Diamond Kinetics does store all of the information, all of the swings. We are able to reprocess all of them. And it has been fun. And we have lots and lots yeah, of process. I, I don't know if this terminology, yeah, how many people will relate to this. I'm sure you will relate to this, Mike. Reboot Motion, we've been a company for like almost two years. I looked at the, the quantity of information in our, in our Amazon storage service. It's approaching <laughs> 10 terabytes. <laughs> Nice. That's fast. Dude. <laughs> yeah, we might need to get a little bit more efficient with what we store, but it's we have we've we were able to boil down metrics that we think are most meaningful, but at the same time, we're storing a crap ton of data. So mm -hmm. we can continue to do research on the overarching data. Yeah, which is huge. Yeah, no, that's but that's a really great question, Travis. I'm not surprised that Travis is a great question. So I think I wanted to touch on we've talked a lot about hitting, I know. Rick loves hitting. I know he does a little bit of pitching too, though. But I wanted to make the connection between, uh, I want to make the, the connection between what we're talking about with hitting and how that relates to like pitching technology. We, we talked about for hitting, right? You have a launch monitor, which measures the outcome. Then we have the, the bat sensor, which measures the bat. And then we have the 4D motion or the uplift that measures the bottom. 
and we have the analogous stuff in pitching, although we don't have an added implement between the hand and the ball. So in essence, we have launch, we also have launch monitors in pitching, which similarly like measure the flight of the ball, the velocity of the ball, the spin of the ball, the break of the ball. We also have balls with sensors in them, <laughs> which can do the same thing or similar things. Mike, you wanna? <laughs> this is my, this is my uh, fun demo. Yeah. Just a normal ball. Yeah. But I don't know, do you wanna make, obviously you're biased, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Towards the Diamond Kinetics product. But do you want to make the distinction between the quote unquote launch monitor or pitch monitor, which uses maybe cameras to measure the flight of the ball versus the ball with the sensor in it that you throw? Yeah, so one of the things that I've, I, I think is very interesting and is an area to explore sensors in the ball versus a, just a flight monitor. Flight monitors, great in terms of what they can measure and velocity and angle of release and heading angle and all of those numbers. One of the things that is very interesting about uh, the pitch tracker ball is, in my opinion, a lot of what you can, or I am used generally inside of these, is what you can measure prior to release, right? Like it is one of the few that has the fidelity of understanding exactly when the wrist rotates and exactly when you reach extension and what that motion looked like as you drew back and then what that overhand, and you can start to compare pitch by pitch and do overlays and like the IMU itself is really good at that. And so there's a, a big distinction between the two in terms of what tech. Now I don't, there hasn't been a whole lot of work on from what I've seen in, in coaches asking for that data pre-pitch or pre-release. And I think there's a lot there that, that we could explore. Oh. And then the difference with, with the, the radar systems and they're getting it in flight. Yeah, I was going to say, I think in terms of that curve that we were, that curve of learning that we were talking about with the arm path information, I think we're still at the part of where we're trying to learn what is the right thing to tease out of it. Yeah. And, and then hopefully we can, as we learn more and more about that, then we can like build it into simpler things that are actionable. I'll make a connection to something that so we are exploring a basketball jump shot analysis. And what's we already actually got our hands on a little bit of ball information. And actually, the ball, the basketball information that we got our hands on is specifically information prior to ball release. It's information oh. like from the catch to the release. And we were able to start looking at what are some things that might make for a more accurate basketball shot. And some of the things that we're starting to get teased out were the exact things that you would expect which is like someone like Steph Curry has a very quick, very direct path from lifting the ball up to releasing it. Or someone who is a little bit less accurate has a more varied path as they're lifting up to releasing it. And something that I love about studying the basketball data is I think you can also give us clues about what might be happening in a baseball pitch to make a pitch mm -hmm. more accurate. I am very excited to start digging into that data, Mike. And I want maybe... Travis, we'll talk about a little bit more, but Travis and Robin Lund in particular are doing some really cool stuff and have been getting some access to uh, the data off the pitch tracker. They're, they're doing some really cool things around moments before release and, and how things move yeah. it, it, that, it, that I think will be a good area for us collectively to explore. Yeah. Yeah, sweet. So we have, so we have in pitching, right, similar, we have the, the outcome, which can come from the sensor in the ball or like a, a launch monitor, like a TrackMan or a Soto or a Protect or something like that. But then for the body, we have similar systems, right? We can use uplift. We can use, we can use a lot of 
similar systems that we were talking about earlier to get what the body's doing. One thing I wanted, we're getting relatively close to the end of time here. And I wanted to ask Rick, because you were mentioning assessments. And I'm actually curious because I actually don't have a lot of personal experience using this type of tech. I know people that, that do use it, people that don't use it, some people, but it's the sort of like physical assessment tech, like something like a Fismodo or something like a Kinetosense or even something as simple as like a TPI movement screen. And uh, which isn't necessarily a piece of technology, but it's a, it's a specific like assessment protocol that they design, or there's a functional movement screen. And I'm curious, Rick, do you, in your process at all, do you find value in using like that type of tech that allows you to do an assessment? What, how do you feel about that portion of the technology realm? I, yeah, I've, of course I've dabbled in all of it, but I found out. That's why you're on, that's why you're on this. I've dabbled in all of it, but you you find out that it's probably not as important. It's funny, like we all start trapping, somebody starts doing an assessment, TPI comes out of screen, everybody starts running down that rabbit hole. Let's go do this, let's go do this, let's go do this. And I know I was talked to, you know, introduced to Chris Welcher a while back, and for years I always ask Chris, the movement is the screen. And he keeps telling me this over the 40 years of doing this. He goes, Rick, the movement is the screen, right? The, the screen, the swing is the screen that you're looking for. And you can find range of motion issues and things like that if you know where to look in the 3D motion gap. And but I didn't listen to it for three years. So I'd go get certified and everything, stuff like that, and figured out that you, know, you got 300 athletes. It's hard to screen them all, right? right? And to do the work that you actually need to do. And then you figure out that you've done good work with people and gotten them to do the things that they need to do. And they don't know that anything's changed when they went and got the full screen from someone else. So I decided that, and I know you, and you've done some general range of motion stuff for us and the captures from the three captures that we have here, which is a really good way to say, okay, now we can dig deeper into maybe we do a screen on a particular person based upon what in the evaluation from the swing of the throw. Yeah. Uh, so we start to pre-screen them before we actually say, okay, this guy actually needs, we need to look at this. Yeah, that's that was the exact point that I was going to make, actually, is, I, and I think it's different, like in major, in, you know, some of the major, in the major league team I work for, the Dodgers, and major league teams that are currently reboot motion customers, they have an entire medical staff, an entire, they have an entire strength and conditioning staff which means like, you know, there's time to do like very in-depth on every aspect of this. But when you're one coach running an academy, going through an entire screening process, and it isn't all the other stuff. So I do think what you mentioned is actually a really uh, awesome way to go about it. Because if you can use, shameless plug for Reboot, right? We, and with Reboot Motion, we try to analyze like areas in your movement that are inefficient. And then you can actually use that to trigger an assessment. Right, like maybe we find in our analysis that the momentum that the hitter is getting through their rear hip is below average. They should be getting more. So now it's, oh, now that I know we have this inefficiency here, now I specifically can go screen that rear hip. Let me see, do they have enough range of motion available? Which means I just need to figure out how to coach them using it better. Maybe they don't have that range of motion available. So maybe I have to spend time doing things to give them that range of motion, or maybe I, I do some type of power assessment. Maybe their rear leg is just weak. And we just, so I think it's almost like you don't necessarily need to do the assessment ahead of time, but the analysis can trigger the assessment. The whole thing about that is you have to move this again from a coaching perspective. 
what's my job? My job is to get in the parole better. I'm not saying that you don't need to have some general understanding of what those human movements are. You do, because that's going to help you become a better coach. But I think sometimes you can become paralyzed with trying to know everything about everything, right? You know, that's like, and I have to come back and kind of recalibrate your hitting coach. Okay, so do you do need to know, if you're going to tell a guy he's use his legs in a, in a swing, you have to have a decent understanding of what that actually means, <laughs> right? I would say, I always ask, kick him, is you, you, you had a hitting coach? Yes. What do you tell you? Use my leg. What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> no, no, that, that's, that is one of my like biggest pet peeves. And, you know, obviously I'm I don't play one on television, but at the same time, when I'm, I spend a lot of time watching coaches coach. And one of my biggest, I can just, I see it in the player's face. A coach is like, get down the mound. And the player's like, I am, I'm throwing. <laughs> what do you mean? Get down the mound, go faster. What body part do you want to go faster? <laughs> There's a lot of body parts. They can all go a little bit faster. Or yeah, use your legs. I am, I'm like standing up. I'm not like lying <laughs> prone on the ground. <laughs> so yeah. And Jimmy, I got, I tell you as a coach, we get so down, down that road. I had to take a step back. One of the things that was really interesting is that you think a lot, you do a lot of these things, you grab this technology, people asking you questions, and then you go into pro ball, right? And it's a different, different animal. You've got smart baseball people here. They're skeptical. They don't think this stuff works. And so your job is to effectively communicate this on I'm going to say on their level, right? These old school guys, the job is to get them to say, okay, this is probably, this is a way we need to explore because it's maybe some of the lowest, lowest hanging fruit that we can actually move this guy in the direction of uh, the direction that he actually needs to go. And they don't, they're worse than the people I deal with on the amateur side because they've had some experience with a lot of successful players and so they haven't really articulated or put down into a diary of what that actually what they actually did that <laughs> made these kids successful right yeah no, they just, we just roll this thing out here for 162 five days of the year and we crank out 10 of the 300 guys we got in camp and we've been <laughs> successful yeah that, that yeah. conversation, I want to see the Rick Strickland conversation, the the earliest of early adopters that I know of in baseball, talking to an old school tech or an old school baseball coach, swearing off tech. I really want to, I, w- I want that videotape. That would be amazing. Oh, How you so talk let me give them. you a true story yeah. of what happened with this. 2019, I was out and I had a bunch of old school coaches, right? They were like, I, I went to him about a player, and I said, man, this guy was hitting about 360 at the time. This is a true story. And I go, listen, man, this guy's got a bad swing. We're, they're using DK. We got the rap soda out there. I'm like, this guy's got it. You were about to put that time, Mike. I was probably blowing your email up with this API. I got to get this stuff out <laughs> okay, of the API, yeah. right? And Mike's, I don't know what the hell he's talking about, but I got to get this stuff out of I'm looking for something. So I go, and I go, man, this guy's like, this, it's not good. And they, and they call me back, and he says, he's hitting 360. We're just going to let him learn on his own. And averages, wham, it hit, hit the ground. And I got so pissed off about it. I said, I'm going to create my own report. I'm going to take this practice data. We're using Diamond. We're using Rapsodo. And I'm going to pick out the players who can swing. And it was obvious. You could see standard deviations, the guys who swung it. Then they, they wanted to kick guys go, well, it's just practice. Practice is different than the game. I mean, you put machines out here. 
I said, look at the average exit speed in practice and then look at his average exit speed in game. I said, it's the same, <laughs> right? I said, look at his ex- average launch angle in practice and look at the game. I go, it's the I mean, some of these guys were a tenth of a mile an hour difference between these guys. And I'm saying, so these guys are really inconsistent in striking the ball in practice. You need to work there first, right? <laughs> you need to work there first, right? If you want to get him better in the game. And, and so I had to, so I created the report to really try to speak to them on the level that they thought that they understood, which guy hits the ball hard, he's got power, he's got things like this. I'm saying one of the things you're not looking at is the consistency and how this guy actually swings his bat. So let's just start there. This guy's hitting at 95 miles an hour, but his average in, X in practice is 86. That's a problem. Let's work on that. <laughs> My point now is I don't care how you think you should get there, but the data says he's really inconsistent in practice. And my job. It was funny, funny too. I'll tell you at the end of it, the old school guys, when I, I said I wasn't coming back, they were a little upset because I, I didn't know that we had made this connection with yeah. us because they were like fighting it. But then I think by the end, I think we all, all come to that I wasn't, I'm not a data guy. So I think. The first organization that I thought I was going to walk in with, I was, uh, <laughs> he says to me, I think you were one of those Harvard guys coming here with these glasses right here. I didn't know you played baseball, right? You don't look like the guys that vision walking through that door. No, I'm not that guy. <laughs> so they, they have this, the baseball, old school baseball, obviously are protective of their territory, but they do want to learn. They do want to understand this stuff like that. And I just think that the the merging hasn't been massaged enough to get these talented baseball coaches to understand this information. And I think that is like a referendum. I think that's the right terminology on the tech. Because I feel like it's on the people like us, me and Mike, that are building the tech to make it more approachable. I think that's just been a, a huge problem is it's always been these like line graphs and talking about derivatives and things like that. And like, that's not approachable. I'm like, so it's, I almost like with that whole, with that whole story, I'm like, I felt like that's like the tech, the people who made the tech, it's their fault. Rick, you're an early adopter. You're curious. You're willing to go outside your comfort zone, but it's really hard to do what you do and learn all this stuff in addition to being a really good coach. So I think just to bring it back around to how we started this conversation, I think it's like on the people who make the tech to make it a lot easier to use so that you don't need <laughs> like work really hard to figure it out. The, the only problem I think, Jimmy, with that is that, and this is me, this is me. Yeah. It's not a problem with me. It's something that I do is I said it very early on. The guy was talking about derivatives, whatever the hell the derivative is. What is it? What is, how, and how does it apply to a swing? What is the derivative happening in the swing? Whatever the hell it is. Does it happen right here? Does it happen right here? Tell me what that is. And so you can explain. So when the guy says, Rick, doesn't understand the data, what is it about the data that you're interpreting that I need to understand about the physical yeah. or the motor movement of the learning? And I think that's where the disconnect is between the coaching and the tech, right? Mm-hmm. Is that there needs to be more folks that are just not, they're not, they're, they want to understand tech. They don't need to put down this elaborate spreadsheet to understand it. What they're trying to do, they're in the cage working with a player or they're working on a, a, a pitch or whatever it's like that and jimmy's talking about the, mo- the rear leg momentum in a delivery i think i've asked you this what's the joint look like <laughs> right <laughs> all right 
what's the joint look like when the momentum is right that gets the momentum to be on the rotation plane. So I ask you what that is, because if I could better understand that, then maybe I could teach the kid to do it the right. Yeah, that was a huge thing. And hopefully this has helped you. When we first were generating our reports, we didn't have the animations. But now that we have the analysis, like the graph or whatever, but we also have the animation. So now you can connect. I think what you're saying is like connecting the metric to what the actual physical thing looks like to just make, make that connection much more seamless, I guess. That's going to help the coach. Yeah. And I think the coaches will be able to ask better questions yeah. <laughs> about the day. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's a pretty good spot to wrap up. I don't know, Mike, Mike, did you have any closing thoughts or questions or discussion points? No, I really, Rick, I appreciate you coming on and, and, and chatting. This is a great opportunity. Jimmy, thanks for uh, doing this for the baseball community generally. This is pretty fantastic. And I've loved to see all of the different, every time you put something on, I'm, I'm always glued to it. Thank you very much. For me personally, I think this is great that Reboot is putting this on. So I will end with that. And I thought, Rick and Jimmy, thanks. Well, thank you guys. This was awesome. This is so much fun. Thanks to all the attendees, as always, for watching. We'll do it again soon. Awesome. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Mike. All right, team. Thanks, Evan. See you guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Reboot Insiders podcast. Be on the lookout for future episodes. And as always, feel free to reach out at insiders at rebootmotion.com or on Twitter at Reboot Motion.